Hello everybody and welcome to, oh, I don't know, week 337 of lockdown? Um, no, not really. Well, unless you're listening so far in the future that it that it is week 337, in which case I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, no, this is a podcast about Lovejoy. It's called Lovejoy actually. Hello. Um, I'm just hopping on here at the start to say um, a couple of things. Um, the audio on this one is obviously a little bit different uh, to the others because it was recorded on Skype um, and Helen in particular sounds very different because she's on maternity leave. So Kevin, um, who's one of our patrons and has been with us since the start, stepped up to the plate and joined us as a guest presenter. Thank you so much, Kevin. You might know that we give 10% of our Patreon earnings to um, Royal Trinity Hospice. They're our adopted charity in memory of Dudley Sutton, who played Tinker in Lovejoy. Um, at the moment, their shops have had to close because of the global pandemic. And um, we're having a bit of a push to raise a bit extra for them. So thank you to everybody who joined us for the first ever hashtag Lovejoy Lockdown pub quiz um, that Polly hosted on her YouTube channel. Um, I'll put a link to the video in the show notes so you can still play along if you missed it. Just remember to put a metaphorical pound in the metaphorical pint glass, which you can find on justgiving.com forward slash lovejoy hyphen actually um and we've got a couple of other events lined up for the summer um so have a look in there because that's where we'll put any updates or any details about other online stuff we're going to get involved with i hope you enjoy the episode like i say the audio's not what we'd normally have but if you use headphones i'm sure it'll be fine and uh, to make up for it i forced polly to record one of the folk songs that featured in the episode called she moves through the fair my young love said to me, my mother won't mind. And my father won't slight you for your lack of kind. And she stepped away from me and this she did say. Oh, it will not be long, love, till our wedding day. She stepped away from me and she moved through the fair. And so fondly I watched her move here and move there. And then she went homeward, just one star awake. Like the swan in the evening, moves over the lake. Last night she came to me. My dead love came in And so softly she moved That her feet made no din And she laid her hands on me And this she did say Oh, it will not be long, love, till 
Lovejoy, actually. <laughs> Welcome to Lovejoy, actually, a podcast about Lovejoy, but coming from a slightly different setting in in so many ways at the moment. And I mean, we can't even predict what the world's going to be like at the point this gets broadcast. Uh, we're coming to you today from lockdown. So all three of us are in different bits of the UK. Uh, recording this via Skype, so this could kind of go either way. So I want to apologise in advance for the sound quality. There is very little that we can do uh, about that. We also have a very, very special guest filling Helen's shoes, and we're expecting him to say, you forgot the bit where dot, 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 at least 10 times. Uh, We'd like to welcome fan of the podcast, Kevin Laws. Hello. Hello. It's an absolute honour. Thank you very much indeed for, for asking me to uh, to join you. Um, obviously, been a fan since since day one that you uh, launched this podcast. So uh, thank you. Well, very that much. might all be about to change. Well, that's it. You might ask me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and we do also have fellow podcast regular, of course. Hello. Yes, I'm still here. I'm still here. Um, I'm going to be as useless as ever <laughs> with my... Uh, facts and research and have some sure um and uh so the three of us are here because helen is on maternity leave oh congratulations helen in the ridiculousness that is coronavirus and social distancing and all of that malarkey uh helen gave birth to a tiny human um i did say well done helen and and mr helen um i didn't say my name i realized i'm the other one i'm paul uh, so it is. <laughs> it's all right. I, I just, you know, if they don't know it's, now, then... it, it's not important. And uh, we are going to be discussing Irish stew. And at this point, I'm going to hand over to Kevin, as he is our, our visitor, to tell us more about this episode. Uh, so we're going to be uh, discussing Irish stew, which is um, season or series four, um, which was aired on 14th of March, 1993, and. I had a look at some of the synopses, which basically gave the whole story away. So, <laughs> Helen, I've gone to UK TV Play um, for their uh, summary, which goes as follows. More quirky drama with the bad boy of antiques. Ooh. What? We've not had that one before. So, um, I think we've got a new right here. Lovejoy <laughs> and Lady Jane are in Ireland hunting for a painting. Tinker and Eric try to unravel a mystery. I mean, we don't is, really give anything away. Is that what happens? Well, not really. Do you know? I, I rewatched this last week, and then the previous time. This is not an episode that I have watched multiple times. There's some episodes I can practically quote word for word. Just going to say, this is not one of them. All like the only bit I remember is Lovejoy dressing up as a vicar again. That is the only bit I remember from this. Well, <laughs> they're in Ireland and they're hunting for a painting by Yeats. Um, that is true, and that is like the literally the first thirty seconds. Um, and then Tinker and Eric try to unravel a mystery. I'm not really sure what that uh, refers to, whether it's the yeah, main they're not on... story or, or what. Very strange, yeah. but I I actually genuinely love this episode, but I get the sense really? that you were a bit underwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, is it because I watched it in the bath? Was I a bit drunk? 
maybe. All of the above. Em, why did you like this episode? Well, um, I liked it because, even though it's horrible actually, but I like that idea of uh, mad genius academics who've gone a bit potty and gone and lived in a tumble-down castle. That's like my ideal man is Hennessy. <laughs> And um, and I love I, I love books and old books and stuff. And I liked Tinker and Eric singing. And I liked the scenery. It was nice. Can um, I just ask a question? Did you watch it on DVD or did you watch it on like some of the um, the, the, the the catch up programs you watch on Sky? I watched it on UK TV Play. Only reason I ask is that I, I'll probably come on to this later. Is that they butcher these episodes sometimes to an extent oh. where you can't really understand certain points of it. Now, I know on the DVD that there's not just this episode, but others, that um, there's there's whole chunks that are completely taken out. Uh, I don't understand why they do it, but certainly on this one, when I watched it back, um, I think it was on the same. Um, some things just don't make sense. And, and that that really annoys me. Yeah, we've definitely had that in other episodes as well, haven't we, where we've been like, why did they do that? Like, it would only take a tiny bit of exposition for it to have made sense. But I, did, I didn't mind this one. I thought it was all right. And it opened beautifully in beautiful islands, which I've never visited and potentially never will because I was meant to be going in July. So let's see how that goes. Well, just going back to the episode itself, this was directed by John Crome. Uh, and this was the uh, the sixth episode he's directed, and the uh, the last one he directed. Oh, do you go. know which ones he did before? I'm going to put you on the spot now, and you're going to be like, no, I don't know. <laughs> yes, the first one he did was Ben in Bronze. Then he did uh, Members Only, The Ring, Second Fiddle, They Call Me Midas, and then his final oh. one. So I see, I quite liked all of them. Yeah, yeah. So I. I thought it um, by by the sixth one, he'd, he'd got the hang of it, which. Um, <laughs> Okay, so um, this episode was written by T.R. Bowen, um, and this was his fourth episode as a writer. Oh. Mm. Well, okay, what? what else did he write? What else did you write? You tell me. You've been doing this podcast. <laughs> I don't have a clue. I genuinely don't know. Oh, dear. But so I am... Go on. I kind of remember the name T.R. Bowen, because I wonder if it's a woman and not a man. And that's why they went for, um, that's Stephanie why they call themselves T.R. Oh, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I think it's Terry, I think his name was. Uh, anyway, he um, he previously wrote uh, The Italian Venus, mm. uh, Scotch on the Rocks, this one, uh, and then he's got one more coming up, which is uh, Poetic Justice. Uh, he's also a writer and director. He starred in Run, Fat Boy, Run. Oh, he, wow, okay. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, and he was born in Burma. I'm full of facts. You are full of facts. We like you. We'll have you back. <laughs> oh, this, this is also brilliant for me because it means I don't have to go and look it up again afterwards. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you pink as well. You've got something nice and pink. I've got, um, can you see my boxed wine? Oh, Ooh. you know, Grigio della Venezia. Um, oh, della Birmingham. Yeah, della Birmingham. <laughs> I've also got, look, this. Which I haven't opened yet. Ooh, ooh, which is nice. a new Pinot 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 Grigio fizz. But it's a spritzer, and I, lo I bloody love a spritzer. So actually, I'm going to open it now. So oh, I'll open it by my microphone. Does that work? There you go. It? That's a good noise. That was a good noise. I like that. Ching ching. Oh yeah, we're going to have to. Um, I'll. I'll in this space. I will insert the noise. It was all clinking glasses, as though we were really together. 
One day we will be. Oh. And all this will be a, a long time. We'll dream. meet again, as the Queen said. The other thing the Queen said, the week before, apparently, she'd issued some statements and she said, we must all come together. And I thought that is literally the one thing that we shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing we're not meant to be doing, Mrs. The one Mrs., th that's how I talked to Elizabeth. Bless her. <laughs> yeah, strange, isn't it? Oh, I'm just going to put this out there. That's a, that's very nice, that Pino, Pino, Pino Grigio spritzer. Yeah. Yeah, they're not sponsoring us though, so don't give them too much airtime. I wish, I wish they bloody would. Right, okay, like back to it. We haven't even got scene back one to it. No, yet. come on. <laughs> so shall I open up with scene one? Where yeah, go on. We we immediately get, and I do find this most funny with um, with a lot of the episodes is the music that you get at the introduction just just sets the scene, doesn't it? So you immediately know, okay, they're not in East Anglia; they're clearly in. <laughs> island <laughs> i did think that kind of folky music polly it put me in, my, in mind of you did you know what the music was no but later on they play a song called she moved through the fair which i do know so i'll sing it oh. to you later they were playing my young love said to me my mother won't mind so i know so that was nice and I I'm, do facts, but I'm not gonna sing i'm pretty sure it's out of copyright <laughs> as well so I can probably sing it to you later. So it opens up with um, with Lady Jane arriving at a house um, and this um, this lady coming out, which I don't know if you noticed, did, uh, certainly when I first saw her, the lookalike to uh, Katrina uh, Brooksby, the, the woman from Highland Fling. She looked quite remarkably like her. Uh, uh, yes. The way she dressed. Um, so um, anyway, so we're, we're at this scene where um, there, uh, Lady Jane arrives, and this uh, this lady comes out, uh, and immediately uh, Lovejoy smashes that fourth wall down. <laughs> I'm going to imagine like Wreck It Ralph now. <laughs> Bang, <laughs> fourth wall. <laughs> smashes it, absolutely smashes it, and comes out with this quite ridiculous dodgy accent. Didn't now Ian McShane did a dodgy Irish accent in. Shrek 3? Was it Shrek 3? Was he in what? Shrek 3 or did I make that up? He did a really dodgy, dodgy Irish accent in something. <laughs> I hope he did. I hope he I am going, Shrek 3. I've got to look it up. In my head it was Shrek 3. It probably wasn't. I know he's done a really bad Irish accent in something. There you go. Shrek the 3rd. He was in Shrek well. the he was in Shrek the Third, apparently. Um, although I might have just made that up because I did just type in Ian McShane Shrek. Uh, no, I think I think I think you must be right. I think, I think he did a really. Right. I think he did a really dodgy Irish accent in it, and I and I remember thinking, oh, not sure about that. Um, John Cleese was in it as well, and Eric Idle, just to get in all my Python references all at once. There you go. High five. Ian, well, Ian McShane was the voice of Captain Hook. With an um, inexplicable Irish accent in Shrek Three, the shit I know. So just to get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so he's coming. He's obviously set. He's he's an island. He's come at this house. We're not really sure why he's there. Um, there's nothing to to introduce why they they've suddenly popped up in Ireland. Um, there's a bit of explanatory dialogue and the fact that Tinker and Eric are also with them and they're quote on the knock. Yes, that's yeah, how, he, he that's, says. He, he says, you think Suffolk's been done to death, but Wicklow's not far behind. Because yeah, we have that shot of Eric and Tinker um, 
go into this old lady's house and be like, have you got any furniture? And she's just very Irish and tells them to get packing. She says, I'll I'll set the cat on you. (laughs) Now, that's interesting because the episode I saw, (laughs) I didn't even see that scene. Yeah, it's oh, no. down as in the first scene. And, well, that means, Kevin, there's another bit that you won't have seen either because I've got written this written down before the cottage, which is a man in a jag pulls up to a place called Driscoll Park. And that might be, like, just after or just before. But um, I've also written down, he looks a wrong un. I was like, he looks dodgy. Um, well, they... But we come back to Driscoll Park after after the lovely cottage that Jane and Lovejoy are in. So, <laughs> so he's um, he's given a bit of uh, dialogue to say um, why he's here and the fact that they're an island. Because we didn't get that by the the no. dreamy music at the beginning. The next bit I see, which hopefully is in turn, is the fact that you go to see Eric and Tinker, and they've they've they're in a van that's broken down. Yeah, and they're just having a crap tire. Like they've got a flat tire, and Eric seems just absolutely furious and resigned to everything being crap. But Tink seems in quite a good mood, I thought. But I've literally written, Eric is not having a good time. Poor Eric. I'd be- oh, bless But him. Eric's never having a good time, bless him. <laughs> good point, good point. Um, and then we see Driscoll Park properly, don't we? Is this where we get the guy with the most amazing posh name ever? Bertram Montague Montserrat. Yeah, but we don't know. We don't find his name out for a while, I don't think. But he oh. is the, ro- the, the wrong one who's there. He is the wrong one. Yeah, sorry. So the next scene, certainly, that I picked up, which hopefully is in chronological order, you, you, you're in this um, boudoir with yes. various posters of May Fitzgerald um, and then it's panned round and you, you see an Oscar and all these various posters. Uh, and then you see this this woman on the bed with, uh, well, she's got horrendous dirty trainers on and <laughs> it's all a little bit bizarre. I, I thought it was Rula Lenska, but it isn't. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely not Rula Lenska. <laughs> I've written down, is that Rula Lenska? And then the Did you then cross written, it out? No, no it's... it's not. But yeah, you get the sense that this is some sort of faded glamour. This lady, she who's that there's some you know that she's going to be a key player in the whole in the whole episode, don't you? Really? And then we go back to the. Um... Well, then you do get to see Bertie Montserrat. Obviously, you don't know his name at this point. Yeah. Uh, and then um, you've got this uh, this dialogue where she, I think she says, "Do do you still have it?" Um, and there's this whole mystery about what they're talking about, um, but. It's probably pertinent to, to bring up the fact that the man has purple hair. I don't know if we want to discuss this. <laughs> yeah, his hair was... What was that about? It was like a character in and of itself. It was... It, yeah. It was very strange. Did the hair get a credit at the end? I mean, it should have done. Uh, certainly his hairstylist should have done. <laughs> yeah, that's probably how I could tell he was, the, he was a bit of a dodgy character because nobody with pure intentions would have had such... Evil looking hair, you know. <laughs> evil looking hair. You know, you wouldn't trust somebody who'd paid that much attention and, and mm. money on their hair. That's what I um then back to um well as far as I know, the the house where uh Lady Jane and Lovejoy have bought a picture um uh called Fitzwilliam Place by Jack B. Yates. Did now, did you like the picture? Because I thought it was horrid. Not especially. I did. <laughs> somebody says i think jane says it's lovely 
and I've written in brackets, it's horrible. Oh, yeah. Well, I just, I've not got good taste, though. I, did, I didn't have a sort of strong opinion either way. I mean, what's your, what, what kind of stuff do you like, just as, a, as an aside? What's your... Um, I don't really have a taste. It's quite eclectic. So um, anything, I don't, I don't certainly go for any specific artist or anything, but that I thought, um, as paintings go... I didn't uh, like the colours. That's what I didn't like. I thought it was a bit sombre. It was all sort of browns. And it was quite dark. But then again, the cottage seemed quite dark. So maybe I just needed to turn the brightness up on the thing that I was watching it on. They did make reference to the fact that it was going to be a companion to Morning in the City, which was also painted by Yeats, which is an actual piece. Oh, you see, he's done his research. We'll have him back. I know. Oh, uh, Kevin. But the, the I'm so impressed. We I normally don't... research on the hoof, don't we? <laughs> I don't think the actual piece that they were buying that that certainly is not a a, a real piece as far as I could tell. But um, anyway, so um, so yeah, so they purchased that and um, they then go out to uh, to leave. And it was that scene with Lovejoy and the woman. Um, there's clearly a connection. There's there's some history there. <laughs> so there's so much history. Yeah, so they had a lovely cuddle. They yeah. Do. Oh, this is what I'm missing about lockdown. Cuddles. Cuddles. Oh. Yeah, me too. Just shit in it. <laughs> it's it really is. crap. <laughs> oh god, it's so Okay, right. And her name was Karen, and then she was never in it again. No, Lovejoy leaves Karen in her cottage, and off he goes with Jane. Uh, so they're back in the car, and this is the first time we actually realise, or certainly the explanatory dialogue, as to why they're in Ireland. Which is uh, Lady Jane is looking for a painting for Sir Douglas, whoever Sir Douglas is. Uh, and they thought that it was going to take months and months and months to find, and lo and behold, Lovejoy found it in three weeks. So I'm not sure if it, it was eluding the fact that he's been out there for three weeks or or what, but, um, yeah, so he's found the picture, and that's the only reason, really, reason why we know why they're in Ireland, which... Um, yeah, you'd think at this point they'd be like, OK, now it's time to go home. Yeah. We, we, we found the thing, we bought it, we got it for Sir Douglas, but instead... They go to the pub, and now Jane's got a kind of improbable ask. If, uh, you two must... Well, Polly, I'm pretty sure you will have done. Have you been to Dublin? Yes, a couple of times. You, is that well, pub a real pub, the James Toner pub that they were in? I've never seen it or <laughs> been to it. It probably is a real pub. It's probably called something else, because that's what normally... Uh, what was it called? And I'll just... I'll Google it. I've never been the there. Ja <laughs> the James Toner to be honest, there's a lot of pubs in Ireland, uh, in, <laughs> in Dublin. Uh, uh, yes, it is a real pub. There you go. Right, I'll make a pilgrimage there if I am allowed out of the country in time for me to do my Ireland trip. It is on Bagot Street. Thank you. Yes. Anyway, sorry, that was a complete aside. They're in the pub. Carry on, Kevin. I feel like I've let you down because I didn't get any stats or, 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 or facts about this pub. It is a beautiful pub. I don't pub. think you knew that I would be that interested in it. <laughs> it's a gorgeous pub <laughs> and it still looks exactly the same. And here's a fact for you. It won Best Snug in Dublin in 2010. Boom. Boom. Oh, and it is right. beautiful. Do you know what? I have been to that area, but I definitely haven't been to the actual pub. Anyway. So while they're in the pub. Um, so Lady Jane um, requires Lovejoy to be vaguely respectable for an hour or so in order to authenticate some watercolours. And that's when uh, he introduced the uh, the character uh, of Bertrand 
Montague Montserrat. What a name. What a name. I, I think it's probably the best Montague name Montserrat. we've had, best name we've had yet, I think. Uh, and it, we also learn that uh, Lovejoy was stitched up like a kipper, um, but doesn't go into too much detail. So, again, a little bit of... Uh, oh, yes, there's a lot of mystery. They're, they're just, you know, reeling out the mysteries for us. Uh, and quoting him as, uh, as calling me a, was it, a double-breasted scumbag. That's quite a good insult, that, isn't it? Double bre- oh, I can't believe I didn't it? write that down. Oh, I wrote that down. I wrote a charmer and a fraud because Jane's kind of fallen for him. Not fallen for him in a romantic sense, but she's fallen for his patter, really. And Lovejoy's like, no, this is he's a bad egg. He doesn't actually say he's a bad egg. Um, but Lovejoy kind of sees this opportunity now to kind of get his own back, I think. I quite like the bit where Jane said to Lovejoy, can you look respectable for an hour or so? And Tinker was like, I can. I always look respectable. Just miss him. I know, and he's Lovejoy. (laughs) Which didn't seem very fair. But whatever. So so that's like one thread where Lovejoy's going to go off and and authenticate these watercolours with this person who's done him over in the past. In the next scene, we go back to Driscoll Park, which is where this kind of uh, rich, glamorous lady was that we saw a bit earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're talking, I can't remember if it's a voiceover or how we hear this, but we find out her name is Maeve Fitzgerald and she's Ireland's answer to Peggy Ashcroft. So I don't know who Peggy Ashcroft is. So I turned around to my husband and said, Who's Peggy Ashcroft? And he did such a shocked intake of breath and he went, Peggy Ashcroft? The female Olivier? How <laughs> you not know who this is? <laughs> and I was like, Okay, and then he carried on. She was born in Croydon. She was in the 39 Steps. She was married to John Laurie, not in real life, but in the 39 Steps. I was like, okay, I don't actually care about Peggy Ashcroft. I just need to know what does that phrase, what is that phrase going meant to as the viewer kick off in my head? And of course, because he'd said the female Olivier to me, I was like, ah, so the thing we know about this woman is she's a really, really good actor. She's really good at acting acting is the thing that she's good at and so that kind of ruined any twist for me because I just assumed she was acting from from kind of the get-go so yeah and Bertie Montague Montserrat is her friend and ex-lover oh yes (laughs) we find out and I think it's Jane who's saying this isn't it she says oh and you know Mae Fitzgerald she's not very well she's at death's door oh yes Um, of course and, and Lovejoy's kind of wondering, you know, what's in it for, for Bertie, for Montserrat, you know? And Jane's like, no, 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 they, they have a connection. <laughs> but she also says um, Maeve was never mean in the physical department. It's like, all right. This is, <laughs> this is that, that thing again. <laughs> We've said before, and I know they've got history, so it's a bit different, but about Lovejoy being a divvy of people. And Jane is one of those terribly sweet, lovely people who just assumes that, like, I think I've said it before, like my granny, they joked at my granny's funeral that she would have probably said that, oh, Hitler probably had tummy ache because she just thought yeah. everyone was an inherently good person that occasionally made a mistake. You just see the best in everyone. Jane's Jane like, like that. that. Yeah, absolutely. Unless it's a woman who's flirting with Lovejoy, in which case she hates them. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. And I, I, I don't know if they were overacting, but they both came across as conniving little shits from the beginning, as far as I was yeah, concerned. I mean, to Maeve and yeah. uh, what's his name? You know, yeah. Bertie. Um, so yeah, you see Maeve and uh, Maeve Fitzgerald, and, and she's going into this like clinic, and she's getting papped by the paparazzi. So everyone knows that she's she's really really ill, 
and then off Bertie goes to his like posh townhouse or whatever. I was going to say I can remember that on DVD, but again, looking back on uh, UK TV Play when I watched it last week, um, didn't get any of that. Miss out on certain bits like that, which which really are, you know, in my opinion, quite pivotal to to yeah, the, key to the or, plot, aren't they? Yeah, which is rubbish. So if you get so spoiled, buy it on DVD, everyone, hey, don't accept it. Uh, yeah, so then we get, um, and I'll let you two ladies start with um, some peril singing because you get the first bit of mild peril music coming along when you get these two All dodgy. Right. Are you ready, uh, Anne? I'm not going to sing. Peril alert, 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 peril alert. It was perilous. It was definitely perilous. Yeah, and and it does amuse me because throughout the whole Love Joy, you get these stereotypical characters coming along, which you're thinking, oh, they're up to no good, aren't they? Which clearly they're not. And. They then uh, promptly break into Bertie's beautiful townhouse. And are foiled. Half foiled. I half suppose. foiled, actually. That's a better way of putting it. Oh, we half foiled them. They're a, they're a bit foiled. Yes. Um, it did amuse me when they, when they rang the doorbell. One of them like, jumped up as if to go. I said, well, if they're ringing the doorbell, they can't get in, can they? And then, so then they feel like they've got all this time to carry on rifling through Bertie's stuff. But then Bertie turns up. Jane and Lovejoy, they were the ones who rang the bell. And um, and Bertie lets them in. So then these dodgy lads just scarper out the back. And then Eric's very brave and tries to chase them, but he doesn't catch them. But he tried. He tried. I know. Well, he always tries, doesn't he? Trying he, was, not... he actually drove at them as they were running in the opposite direction. So that in itself is a little bit stupid. <laughs> yeah. But just, just going back to when they when they met at the, uh, the doorstep, um, now, Lovejoy has already made reference to the fact that he was stitched up by a kipper, but this guy clearly does not recognise him one bit, which I thought in itself was slightly odd. I didn't know whether it was indicative of like what a git Bertie actually is, though, that he just does people over all the time and it doesn't mean anything to him. And then once he's got what he needs, he just, that's the end of it for him. He wouldn't, but I suppose you're right that Lovejoy is, not um he doesn't fade into the background i suppose does he <laughs> yes that particular element lacked credibility um so the main thing is i suppose eric's tried his best to be a hero and he the when the lads are running away they drop something and eric finds it and that oh, becomes yeah. really this becomes oh. the main plot really doesn't it i suppose why have i written lovejoy looks ridiculous oh because he dressed up for this meeting with Monster Rat, so he's wearing like he's being respectable. Um, That's why he looks ridiculous. When whenever he's being respectable, he looks ridiculous. His yeah. jeans are double-breasted jacket. Yeah, the Jeremy Clarkson look. Yeah, but only he can get away with that. And he has had the chance to look at these. What he does look at the watercolors with Monster Rat before. It's a bit confusing, isn't it? Because Bertie realizes he's been robbed because he sees that the the pane of glass in the in the French doors has been broken. Oh but yes. He then he just pretends that nothing's happened. It's that um, he comes up with that bizarre excuse, doesn't he? Like, oh, the housekeeper forgot her keys, so she had to break in, and I ought to get it fixed. It was like the weirdest. Also, like really quite impressive thinking on your feet. Oh, yes, this happened. It's like you get a feeling this is a man who lies with ease. And he's yeah. quite annoyed because she hasn't called the glazier. That Terrible. was... <laughs> called the glazier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh dear. So yes, Lovejoy has kind of looked at his watercolours, but then everything is overtaken by Eric rushing in going, I tried to stop them. Oh yes. Everyone's like, stop who? What are you talking about? But I do like the I did like the bit where um they they initially picked up the uh, the manuscript and you could see from from Tinker's reaction um that this was as they mentioned I think later on this was very very old and Tinker says something about his time in the monastery and he should he 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 basically yeah. said I should have paid more attention but I was pissed the whole time I love it though because we haven't That's actually had the mead. it was it always seems a bit incongruous that he was in a monastery because we don't really refer to it after that first episode of series three and i liked the fact that this long after that they go back to it Asha really liked that yeah i did it made me smile it really made me smile too much mead and he, he, he it fuddled up his latin i mean that's our problem isn't it emma we're always having too that much issue. mead well yeah. do you remember when i went to lindisfarne and i, I brought mead oh, yes. back <laughs> Immediately drank it in the first. Immediate, you immediately drank it. Delicious. Uh, I, I immediately. Oh my That's god! Sorry. <laughs> Come on, I'm spending all my time locked up in my house. What do you expect? In, immediately. Anyway, anyway. It, I love me, and I and I loved Linda's fun, so that was beautiful. Right, sorry, Kevin. I'll let you go. <laughs> no, I was I was going to say that um, my mother actually is um, is a beekeeper. A oh wow! She should make me because it is. Absolutely lush. My automatic reaction then, by the way, Kevin, was to say, oh, like Sylvia Plath. <laughs> that one thing that we all associate Sylvia Plath with. Beekeeping. <laughs> Sylvia Plath, <laughs> the dead American poet. She was a beekeeper. It's not the it's first very thing complicated. I about. When I think of Sylvia Plath, I don't think, you know, the bee woman. <laughs> I do. Anyway. I do. <laughs> let's, okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's, uh... let's shelve that. And go back to wherever they are after this. I'm sure we can so do now. So fine. we're now back at the pub, um, and uh, we've. This got is when this is when they play. He moved through the fair. Do you know so, the, the name of the band? No, I don't know. Do you? Think, do you? Oh, They're called the Merry Ploughboys. Oh, boom! There you go. <laughs> I didn't um, even think to look it up. I just, I just, wow. Okay. So there you go. Um, and uh, if you do look it up on IMDb, um, the only thing they've ever been in is Lovejoy. Oh, um, wow. Which is why I didn't think to oh, look Because like... they, weren't, they weren't like the Hot House Flowers who were no. actually fairly well known. They were... Uh... I don't know if there's much history behind them. I certainly haven't Googled them, just what's on IMDb. And, and certainly their their local Irish folk group, which um, going back to the, to the cast of this episode... Um, they're pretty much all either based in Ireland or have gone to Ireland as various actors. So um, I'm sure we'll talk about this at the end as to why we are in Ireland. Um, but that's that's who the band is. Uh, they are and... actually fairly fairly um, well known according to the internet. Are they? Okay. They look fairly. They're named after the Ballad of the 1916 Rebellion. This is the most um, informative episode we've ever done, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we, should, we should be we should be on the BBC, informative and entertaining. <laughs> uh, so we're at this pub and uh, they're uh, talking about the burglary, and this is when uh, Tinker and Eric bring out the um, the manuscript and the pages um, to say, um, you know, this is why they've held them back, and the fact that they haven't gone to uh, to Bertie to say. Uh, this is your chance to uh, to get one back on over him, um, and uh, immediately you get this um, Lovejoy divvy moment uh, where he's got that look. 
Oh, yes. Where they say, um, well, how do you know? And he says, I don't know. I just feel. Do you know what I wrote? That I like that quote. And I, I think it was because of the nature of what it was he was looking at. And I wrote, this is interesting because that is a bit like religion. When you ask somebody and there's all these people, I don't, I don't know that God exists. I'm just, I just know, but I don't know why. I can't tell you. I can't back it up with, you know, an explanation. I just thought it was really interesting because it is for him. It is a bit like a religion, isn't it? Antiques. Yeah. He's, he, he sort of, and it is beautiful. It's like this scripted, scripted, what am I talking about? This illuminated manuscript from a, a, I don't know what would you call it, Polly? A book of Kells? I don't. But even it, know what I was. To I was about it. to say it's a bit like the book of Kells. I absolutely love. Um, I just I love illustrated, uh, you know, book, books of Psalms, or, uh, uh, Bible books from those, all of those sorts of things. They're so beautiful, and it used to take well, a huge amount of time just to do that, like the first letter on each page, isn't it? Because they're so intricate and so detailed and so beautiful. I mean, there was no internet then, was there? What else were <laughs> yeah. you going to do? Illuminate a manuscript. You had to make your own fun. Um, no, but it was. It was so. It was yeah. It was it just so beautiful? And I, I have to say, I perked up a bit at this. Have you seen the Book of Kells? Have you been to Dublin? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen. I haven't. I haven't seen it in real life. But I will go to Dublin hopefully in July. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I feel if, like I've mentioned it at least every five minutes. I if, we're, if we're allowed out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but having said that, so he looks at it and he knows it's very old and he knows how important it is. He just knows that. He senses it within himself. But Lovejoy does also say we need to get an expert and he knows who the expert is as well, who he wants to speak to. And that is none other than Brendan Hennessy. And we like Brendan Hennessy, although you don't get to see him for a, a while, do you? Oh, is this way? This is where you get that lovely bit that I think they'd already mentioned earlier on. And this is your, well, I was going to say this is your national stereotype. National stereotyping abounds in this episode, where they said in Ireland you just go into a pub and ask a man who asks a man or whatever, and you you can just find anybody. Because they were like, I will say, during... go on. Oh, I will say during my my own lost weekend when I lived in Reading. Mm-hmm. I drank in a pub called the Wellington Arms. Uh, landlord was called Jerry, and it was an Irish pub. In that, it was a pub where you could get your hair cut for four quid, and some because someone oh, would yeah. have some clippers, or <laughs> like if you needed to get anything sorted out, you would get it in there. Like you could get cheap razors because lots of people in Reading worked in the Gillette factory, so there would always be people oh, yeah. selling razors there. And it was but, just, so when Lovejoy said the way you sort stuff out in Ireland is you go to the bar, you ask at the bar if anyone knows. X, Y, Z, someone will know or they'll they'll put you in touch or whatever it is. And I just thought, yeah. But that is yeah, what it is. It's like true. And I don't know if it's Irish. I don't know if it's a, a pub thing and or what it is. But it, it, um, so that's kind of what he does with Hennessy, isn't it? He realises, oh, I'm in exactly the right place to find out where Brendan Hennessy's actually gone. Um, we should give some background on who Hennessy is, though, shouldn't we? I'll let you do that, Kevin. Yeah, go on, go on, Kevin. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Can do it. I think any of us can do this because we say when you love Brendan Hennessy. Yeah, I do. Well, I just want to say, and not just because he's Irish, but he really reminded me a few years ago. Obviously, before before he died, I didn't meet him after he died because that'd be really really creepy. Um, I met Seamus Heaney, and he reminded me a little bit of Seamus Heaney, and he was sort of unkempt. Seamus Heaney was slightly unkempt and eccentric and an academic. Um, well, Polly, Polly, you have to stop. I was muted then, so you didn't hear me shrieking. 
What yeah. the fuck? When did you fucking meet Shane Azimi? What? How did that? How so did we, I not know that? And how did that happen? Was it before I met you? Because I think he died by the time I met you. Um, oh, was incidents so he came to King's when I was a student. He came to <laughs> when Beowulf. It was when he published his version of Beowulf, and he came and did a talk at King's about how to translate Anglo-Saxon poetry. <sighs> he signed a copy of Beowulf for me. That's amazing. He was a really oh, so lovely jealous. man. I adore him. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, carry on. Brendan Hennessy. He taught at Trinity. Is that right? He taught at Trinity, yes. and then he went a bit, a bit mad, as geniuses are wont to do. <laughs> as academics are wont to do. And Lovejoy and Tinker knew him because oh, he fell in. He got in with the travellers, didn't he? So when they went to the fairs in East Anglia, um, Tinker and Lovejoy would go and have a drink when the fairs were on, and they met Brendan Hennessy. Um, yeah, so they met him at these fairs, and the reason they remember him, which seems a little, I mean, it was a little tenuous, wasn't it? That he hennaed his hair, and his name's Brendan Hennessy, and that's how Lovejoy remembered his surname, because of the henna. Oh, yes. I mean, I don't know if either of you have hennaed your hair, it's probably no. just me, isn't it? It absolutely reeks, and it kind of well, goes on that, purple. That's more colouring, isn't it? Which, when we actually come to the character, uh, Clearly, there's not much colour, more wisp. Well, I think <laughs> what was interesting about it is when you see him, so when you henna your hair, the henna goes on like a kind of dark purplish, but it dyes your hair orange, like bright orange. And the ends of his hair were orange. And I thought, oh, well done there for doing that. <laughs> I mean, did they dye it on purpose? Did they just build it around the actor? I don't know. But um, yeah, it's a funny thing, henna, and it stinks. So. I can't imagine you two doing your hair. No, doing no. your hair anytime doing soon. Hair. You can't. I can't imagine either of you doing your hair. What's wrong with our hair? <laughs> uh, no, you know what I mean. I can't imagine no, I you suddenly you deciding you want to dye your hair bright no. orange. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't do that. The other thing I was going to say about this is, and I think it's echoed in in what you've said in previous podcasts, is that Lovejoy obviously he knows and he feels there's something about this um, this manuscript but yet they still need to find an expert to, to actually talk about it and, and to verify it. Um, so that, that's when uh, the, the quest begins to try and find this, this chap called Brendan Hennessy. And then there's a lovely bit where Lovejoy's on the phone in this really busy bar, just clearly ringing from place to place, tracking this guy down. Um, but Tinker and Eric are having the time of their life. And Polly, I don't know if it reminded you of when we met, but it reminded me of when we met because... <laughs> They're basically just doing karaoke, aren't they? They've got a oh yes, that's true. Singing. Oh, they're, they're singing whiskey the in the jar. Of their life. They're singing whiskey in the jar, which I realised I had a boyfriend who used to sing whiskey in the jar at every karaoke session, you know, that we went to, and so I don't really do it anymore because it reminds me of him. And now I think, oh my god, was I attracted to him because of this? <laughs> it's a it's a bloody good song though. It's a really also, really good song. I, I do think that Chris Jury was genuinely drunk at this point because I was looking at him quite hard and I was like, I know a drunk man and that man is drunk. <laughs> I think at this point of the filming, it was just a bit of a free-for-all. Um, mm. the, the actual pub and the actual scene, and I think everything by then was just starting to catch up and they thought, oh, let's sing a song. Ireland yeah. is like that, though. I went to, to Northern Ireland, was in Belfast a couple of years ago, and we sort of ambled into this bar, and there were just these two lads, one of them on, on like a... I don't know, there were three of them, so there was a guy on a tin whistle, a guy on a banjo, and a guy with a violin. 
singing all of those songs, including Whiskey in the Jar, and just the entire pub joining in. I thought, this is real. It wasn't a tourist bar. Yeah. You couldn't hear an English accent in there. That's what I really, that's one of the things that I really miss about my, the only thing probably that I really miss about that last weekend in Reading because people would just get up and sing and they would sing um, the Fields of Atom Rye or the Field of Atom Oh, Rye, yes, yeah. Which is like actually some hyper political divisive song which I did not know that because I, I I'm not Catholic and I and I don't and I'm not very good at history so I had no idea that singing that song actually kind of is pinning your your colors to the mast one way or another <laughs> I just thought it was a beautiful song and so I would sing it every now and again try and get people in a different pub to sing it and people just look at me like I was completely bonkers whereas in that pub yeah people did just get up and sing you know a true Irish pub in England. It was lovely. Oh. Anyway. Anyway, go on. Finally, have, we get out of the pub. I was going to say, I had some interesting facts about that song, which oh, go on. I didn't know it was uh, called Whiskey in a Jar. So the, the research that I did on it um, came back that it was called Gilgara Mountain, which... I don't know whether... I, yeah, I don't know whether there was more than one song. So looking at the lyrics for this, um, uh, yeah, so it's come back as as a as a song called Gilgara Mountain, which was written by a, um, uh, an American folk trio in the 1960s, um, which were called uh, Peter, Paul and Mary. Oh, I've heard of Peter, Paul and Mary. Yeah, as of the... Oh, uh, I love Peter, Paul and Mary. I've, I like the um, the Dubliners version of Whiskey in the Jar is my favourite. Anyway, I, I had no idea what this song was, so the um, the fact about this might be completely wrong. I've always known it says here it's it's a 17th century Irish folk song. I think there's more than one song, guys. I think they sang more than one song for sure because I, it was only towards the end of the scene they were singing Whiskey in the Jar. Because at that point, I was at like, that point, oh, they were all hammered. There was <laughs> yeah, a pub. I, like, I know this one. Did you ever go to Quinn's in Camden? Quinn's in Camden used to rather than calling last orders, they would just play Whiskey in the Jar. And it basically meant you've all got to fuck off now. <laughs> like, That's what's brilliant. that one they play? Oh, um, New York. What's that one? Is it called New York? New York. What's it called? It's a song about New York. It's just That's fancy yeah, that's the one I'm used to people playing to clear out of. Oh yeah, ba 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 da da. That one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so next scene, uh, the morning after the night before. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. Oh, Jane with a hangover was a delight. In the in the Range Rover, slightly um, sleepy, uh, and Eric and Tinker had um, they were sleeping in the in the truck, which was a bit harsh. Yeah, it did make me realise actually that's why maybe Eric was in such a bad mood because potentially they've been sleeping in the van the whole time they're there. But yeah, Jane sleeping in the Range Rover and then I'm joking, come on, wake up. It reminded when I was in Lindisfarne on the last night, I went and drank a load of Lindisfarne gin in a pub and somebody had a guitar and suddenly everyone was singing. I've just realised this happens to me quite often. Um, And I have no memory of getting back from the pub. I just remember in the morning just like snapping awake because the person I was sharing a room with was like, come on, let's go. And it just really put me in mind of that when I saw Jane, that kind of horrified, I'm here, I'm fine. I'm not going to be sick. I'm going to be fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) It was a good bit of acting, unless it was real. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been. They might have just decided to incorporate it. And so they've found out Brendan Hennessy lives in a ruined castle. So Jane and Lovejoy are going to search 
Which club? Or me? 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 I thought I'd written it down. County Meath. Oh, yes, I have. Eric and Tinker are going to do Wicklow and Lovejoy and Jane are going to do County Meath to find him. Which are fairly big places, but I suppose you, 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 there's only a finite number of castles, I suppose. And, um, a finite number of castles. Um, and then Tinker and Eric prove the whole you walk into a pub and you find someone. Uh, so they basically say to the barman, uh, oh, is there, a, is there a castle around it? We're looking for this lad. We think he's in a castle. Is there a castle around it? Oh, yes. He'll be over there then. He didn't actually say that. Something like that. He says something. Oh, I mean, he literally did say that. I think he did I think say he that. I think he did actually <laughs> say that. So off they, off they pootle. This, by the way, this I've got to get another Monty Python reference because it reminded, have you seen the Holy Grail? Because they go up to it and then he starts yeah. shooting at them. This nutter with, it, with his big hair and his unkempt wild man look. And it just reminds me of the whole run away, run away. Run away. Yes, they do. They just turn and leg it from the castle. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it was another bit of peril. He was shooting at them with, like, cross, crossbow bolts. It was really funny. He could have killed them. Bloody funny, though. It was very oh, funny. So then they return back to the pub um, where <laughs> they speak to the same barman. You think uh, the barman would have warned it, them, don't you? He, he says, they shot at us. The barman basically says, yeah, he does that. Yeah, you're, you're barbarian hordes, you are. <laughs> Do you know what it put me in mind of? That bit in the Pink Panther where he says... Um, Oh, can I can I pet your dog? Does he bite? And he's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he bites and he's like, that is that not, is not my your dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> it really made me think of that because the barman just wanted more oh, cash, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course there. he does. Um. So yeah, he says you're, you're the bar. Like as Kevin said, you're the barbarian horde. He doesn't want to see you. That's why he sees you as a threat. He'll only talk to women. Or priest. or priest, basically anything in a dress. I was going to say, if you saw the um, the framing of this scene, you have Tinker and Eric uh, at the bar, and then right in the middle is this priest just staring at them. You're thinking, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah. that's something to do with this. Yes, <laughs> but I think it's just an opportunity to get Lovejoy to play dress up. And we've said before, he makes a bloody good priest. Do you reckon Lovejoy's but, a Catholic? Because yeah. he always plays Catholic priests. But he does always play Catholic priest. I think he probably is. How much does it matter? McShane <laughs> but, is probably Catholic, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon. And um, so I've written anything in a skirt. Steal a cassock. Oh my God! It's Father Lovejoy again. Polly will like, be delighted. I, I was. I was <laughs> delighted. I was absolutely delighted. And this is our first look at Brendan Hennessy um, when Lovejoy then approaches. Um, and Brendan Ennessy realises that, oh, I shouldn't be really firing a crossbow at the priest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, frowned upon. Um, and that's when we first get our first look at Henna Hennessy, the man himself. Um, and that hair is just something else, isn't it? It is brilliant. It is brilliant. And, and bear in mind that he's got Lovejoy to compete with. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it, it's just so wispy. It was just, um, it, it did make me laugh. So the thing that I liked about this is, well, one, that Hennessy remembered Lovejoy. Two, that he talked about living with Brother Rat, Brother Hedgehog, uh, Brother Bee and Brother Blackbird, because we talk about, and I don't know where we got this from, but this is what we talk about all the time. Where I live, when it rains, so many snails come out. I can't tell you. Like it's like a, it like it's cobbled with snails. There are so many snails, and we talk about um, brother slug and sister snail. <laughs> mine's brother slug, mine's sister snail. 
no no idea where I've got that from. In my mind, I'm like, did I get it from Lovejoy when I was 13? That's amazing. <laughs> but I loved that. I lived with Brother Rat, Brother Hedgehog, Brother Bee and Brother Blackbird. I was like, yes, of course you do. And um, and he also, Hennessy has something that I definitely have. Polly, you have some too. The black Wrigley's. I love Oh, that. yes. <laughs> he's like, I've got the black Wrigley's. And, and Lovejoy's trying to say to him, well, and he says, oh, if I drink, then they go away. And Love, Lovejoy's like, are you sure it's not because you drink that they're there? <laughs> like, very interesting. But, um, yeah, so he's there to show Hennessy this this illuminated manuscript that he's got. And Hennessy has a, a quite a sort of almost visceral reaction to him showing in this. Uh, it almost, almost ruins the whole thing, doesn't he? Because he basically recognises what it is immediately and tries to take it off him, or does take it off him. We've only got this very strange pantomime act of them running around this castle, which then ends in, in Hennessy falling and banging his bonds. Yeah, yes. It was quite, it was a little bit over the top, I have to say. <laughs> the whole thing. Black wigglies have gone white. Yeah, you kind of get this impression that it's had this, had this complete life-changing effect on him, really. Um, but all I've written here is the black wigglies have turned white Lovejoy comes out and has a chat with us so he must have broken the fourth wall here but I don't remember <laughs> so sorry <laughs> no he did but I can't remember what he said it wasn't like particularly hilarious or or whatever but yeah he did and uh, they, they have this wonderful I think they have sort of a huddle and like right what are we going to do now then chaps how are we going to sort this one out well bizarrely the next scene that I remember, or certainly noting down, was that it goes back to Tinker and Eric. Yes. Then Eric says, if O'Grady wouldn't show the cottage, then then let's just forget it. Now, having missed that first scene, I have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. No, I have no idea either. And nor do I. Who's O'Grady? Well, we we find later O'Grady is the guy that's selling the, um, the furniture. Yeah, but we don't know that when he at this point, do we? Yeah, or do we? I don't know. Again, going back to uh, UK TV play, I blame them for this continuity. Um, which <laughs> Let's blame it. them. I'm not going to blame my lack of concentration or attention span <laughs> at all. I was so I watched this. Yeah, I wasn't 100% sober <laughs> by this point of it, I will say. But I'm sure they hadn't really mentioned or explored anything with O'Grady before. We knew that Eric and Tink were on the knock. We knew that. We knew they'd been kind of pushed away by a couple of places and maybe they'd threatened had by a cat. success elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, threatened with a cat. I hadn't heard of O'Grady or anything. And Lovejoy tells Eric and Tink to go and get Jane so Jane can go and get him. I don't know what I've written down there, to be honest. Um, because, but Hennessy, basically what Hennessy wants to happen with this piece piece of paper, that's not it. What Hennessy <laughs> wants to happen with this page from the book is that it is restored to, to where it the should whole be. book, wherever that may be. Which means he's got a lot in common with Lovejoy because we've seen mm. episode after episode, Lovejoy restoring things to their rightful place. And Hennessy tells this story about Bishop Fitzgerald. And at that point you're like, oh, that makes Fitzgerald, I get it. And during the dissolution of the monasteries, Bishop Fitzgerald saved this 800-year-old book. Um, the book of... Oh, I've not even written it down properly. The book of... Clonmel. Clonmel, Clonmel Cl- yeah. Because I looked it up then to see... Clonmel, because I looked it up to actually see how you spell it. 
to make I sure. I thought you were going to say to see if it was real. <laughs> no, but to, so so I didn't just merrily call it something else, and then I've loads of there'll be there'll be tweets if I there'll get that sort of thing wrong. Yeah, there are always tweets. There are um, ref- references to uh, Clonmel, but um, again, I, I don't think the um, this this the book of Clonmel or the last book or I must admit this whole this whole scene, I hadn't got a clue really what they were talking about. Um, I think it was the volume of which they were speaking, and they were speaking in all oh. sorts of riddles. I think it all gets clarified later. I think they deliberately do it so that there is some air of mystery because this is a mysterious item. Yeah. The, well, missing, the missing... missing book, and then the Latin they used to call it the missing book, I'm pretty sure that wasn't right because all I've written down is Libra Amissis, which surely <laughs> isn't right, is it? Li- Libra is book, is book, isn't it? Libro. Yeah. Libra. Libro, yeah, but um, but basically, Hennessy's kind of is insinuating, or not insinuating, he's saying that that Bishop Fitzgerald saved the book, and the where he lived at the time was Driscoll Park. So oh, yes, yeah, then yeah. you see it tying back in with you're going. Um, ah, I see where this is going. Montserrat what do you think you see where this is going exactly? And uh, so we already Driscoll we Park. already know that Montserrat is a bad one because Lovejoy has said so, and Lovejoy is always right. Um, yes. So. Uh, oh yes, because then uh, oh no, this is later, isn't it? That it, it are we are we at the bit? Sorry, are we at the bit where where it kind of gets <laughs> explained? Because I've written quite a detailed explanation here. I've written um, uh, in twelve hundred years ago, Ireland was the Byzantium of the West, and the book was saved when Henry VIII was dissolving the monasteries. So then they go to Driscoll Park because they think that's where the book is, and they've got Hennessy in the back of the Range Rover, and then Lovejoy and Jane pretend to be some sort of tax officials. And there's a librarian who lives at Driscoll Park called Dr. Tuttle. And at this point, I was yes. like, what? what is happening? <laughs> Why does Mae Fitzgerald, the Peggy Ashcroft of Ireland, <laughs> have a librarian? Um, but oh, wouldn't you like a librarian? Wouldn't you like your own librarian? I'd love my own librarian. Um, but it kind of transpires that the house, the, what is it? The house belongs to the library. The library doesn't belong to the house. Um, and Dr. Tuttle is also an academic and he kind of says, no, that this book is lost. Um, he did find the hiding place for it, but the hiding place was empty. Oh, yes. So. There was coded instruction uh, to where to find the book. Um, and that they led him down to um, or led them down to, to this tomb like basement. Where it was very Indiana Jones. I, was about, I actually wrote the, that uh, down. I wrote it. It's all gone a bit Indiana Jones. Oh, well, for me, because we're um, because we're on lockdown at the moment, one of the things I've done is um, download the original Resident Evil to my PlayStation, so I can play through Resident Evil from the beginning. And it is so like Resident Evil. You have to like move the stone head of the tomb and then put it in another bit, and then this bit of stone moves and it opens up, and that's where the book was. Absolutely. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. It was good. That I really appealed to me as well. Good. It was a good episode for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually, now we're talking about it, I'm actually appreciating it a bit more because this bit was particularly <laughs> good. Yeah, and they say the house isn't owned by Maeve Fitzgerald. It's owned by her brother, yes. who is in, in what's it called, Polly? I was going to say in chapters. That's not right. In I'm- orders? Yeah, he's he's a monk basically. I was going to say a monkery just because I like the word and it's not a real word. He's monkery. He's in a he's in a friary, isn't he somewhere? Yeah, Father Xavier. 
And sort of interspersed with this, we've seen Maeve and Bertie, I suppose I'll call him. They're driving and she says, oh, let's go down to the boathouse. Let's let's mess around, I guess, because they were lovers or whatever. And then she goes and splashes about in the water. And at this point, I kind of got like a little bit. Did you see that Kevin's pulling her face now? (laughs) Did you see her? splashing about I did and I found it a little bit creepy it was all a bit wicker man do you know what I mean she's in the dress sort of cavorting isn't she she's having a proper old cavort she's having a full-on cavort (laughs) and the thing that annoyed me about it is because they always do this on the tv her underwear that she is cavorting in is a white slip so when you go in the water in a white slip obviously go well not obviously you learn this at some point in your life as a woman if you go in the water and what you're wearing is white, you, that is going to be see-through. She didn't have to be wearing white. She could have been wearing a black slip, red slip, anything. But no, she's going to splash in the water. Therefore, it's white. And it's all a little bit... He's getting quite frustrated. He's saying, get back in the car. And she's yeah, like... Yeah, he's like, be sensible. You you know, you, you need to stop messing about. And she's like, but I want to be free. And she's out in the freezing cold water just splashing around. Quite um, a Sunday night on BBC, I thought. Yeah bit risky um and so lovejoy and jane in the range rover as they're leaving driscoll park having learned this about father xavier they see um mave splashing around in the water and jane just oh, immediately yes. goes oh well she can't be ill then and i'm like well hang on a minute jane actually yeah. you can be chronically ill and still have a nice time you i can be chronically this, yeah. ill and still want to be with your lover and enjoy yourself when you have the energy to do it because you won't always have the energy to do it and I found that a bit just I didn't like that I found that a bit distasteful I did actually Um, as well and it's not necessarily realistic because you can be really ill and have a good day or you can be you know yeah but I mean I guess she did really overdo it it was quite you know but 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 it it seemed a bit of a simple simplistic way of saying oh look she's not ill after all yeah and even that kind of slight insinuation of oh well if she's being sexy then anyway yeah that's that's the thing a bit like that it's true yeah the bit that i missed completely was this is where eric and tinker are in are in another pub with mr o'grady and i've written in brackets who is he because <laughs> we never <laughs> we didn't see the beginning of mr o'grady as we've said earlier so yeah. i got really really annoyed by it it's like who the hell is mr o'grady what's happening yeah that bit regarding in the pub that was that that was not showed um there is a bit coming out with with regards to o'grady but certainly don't see him in the pub the next bit i get was that when when they go to clonmel abbey the the monastery oh, yes yeah is, and you realize and you start to understand obviously he's now he's the sister of may fitzgerald um, and Lovely. they show him the manuscript and, and introduce uh, Brendan Hennessy to him. <laughs> so we've got these two strands all of a sudden that are running together, which is Eric and Tink with O'Grady and the actual kind of real overarching story, which is the the page from this holy book, from, oh, yes. from the missing book. So, yeah, um, Hennessy, Father Xavier and everybody are in the Abbey. Did you just say Abbey, Kevin? Did I say it wrong? Um, Clonmel Abbey. Clonmel Abbey. And um, I still like Munkery, but, but carry on. Munkery. Yeah, the Munkery. <laughs> Munkery. And Father Xavier says, I-, I love my sister. Um, I brought the book back secretly 
to the house. I don't know where it had been before then. Who knows? Maybe in the, I don't know. Oh, maybe the book's in the Abbey, actually. Sorry, I'm being a bit thick. And he says, I love my sister, meaning Maeve. She is a national treasure too. I'm like, oh, okay. And and she's not very well. And um, and then Lovejoy and Jane say, well, why don't you come to the house? Why don't you come to Driscoll Park for a bit? And you, I guess they're trying to say, because then you can see that she's not she's not she's really a conniving <laughs> she's a good actor. Madam. <laughs> well, she's not even a good actor though because when uh, oh sorry i know i'm leaping ahead now but i thought the the acting was very hammy kind of stage acting mm, mm. when they do when he does actually go in but, so i suppose um, we should do the the pay yeah which which plot shall we do first the o'grady one or the yeah before they go to the to, to... To, I suppose what they call is the showdown. You see Eric and and Tinker um, with O'Grady looking at this furniture um, in some dodgy van um, with no light whatsoever. And oh, Eric says, "I think we can do a deal here." Which you automatically know is going to go. <laughs> as soon as O'Grady said, oh, yeah. "Oh, there's no light. Sorry this... about that." You're just like, "Oh, oh, oh please, God, don't. yeah." <laughs> Um, so um, yeah, they come out and and you see the other van turn up and there's the identical piece of furniture and think, oh yeah, you've been scammed and um, and it's um, so obvious. Yeah, that's, that's I mean it was pretty obvious, but again, um, because of what was shown, um, I had really little clue as to what this this side plot was about. To be quite honest, yeah, uh, it just seemed a bit tacked on, didn't it? Like, oh, here's yeah. Eric being an idiot again. But it, it kind of it does come round right at the end, I suppose. But um, it wasn't as well joined together as sometimes the plots are. Yeah, yeah. Bin had because he bought a load of furniture when he couldn't see it properly because it was dark, and then just as they're buying it, the reproduction furniture van turns up with more furniture for this O'Grady <laughs> chap who's clearly. Bit of a dodgy character, but it's too late by then. He's bought it, so made his own bed. He's just gonna have to lie in it, isn't he? As usual. Yeah. Hopefully, he can use it as a learning opportunity for his next appraisal. <laughs> next appraisal. <laughs> we had to mention an appraisal. Oh, lovely, Eric. Bless him. So back but yes, to back Driscoll to Park. Main plot. Back to Driscoll Park, which um uh, is is the showdown, the conclusion of the piece, and um, Father Xavier um ignores Bertie's um plea that he is he called himself the doctor um Maeve's doctor or something he, and just, he oh, yeah. just, oh, runs upstairs and she's there in her tennis gear which is oh yes but she's she sort of got into bed and she's like oh I am so ill it's such hammy acting it's so what did she say she says I needed the money because I I never realized I had a lot of money until I ran out and I was like all right you know what, I'd have given her a good slap at this point. This reminded me again of the, oh, I've had to take a part-time job, and it's like, get a bloody full-time job. She was a bit like that, and she, she does this whole, oh, but you don't understand, I ran out of money. And he basically goes, oh, don't worry about it. And I think, no, do worry about it, you spoiled brat. You spoiled brat. And she's soaking. She doesn't even burst into tears kind of convincingly and go, oh, God, I've been such an idiot. Look, I just, I know this sounds ridiculous, but... She basically goes, oh, but I was in turmoil. And he goes, all right. It's so implausible. She's such an awful yeah. actress. As in the as yeah, in it... the character is an awful actress. Now, I read into what was going on here, and I might have completely missed the plot here, but I got that she 
got him, as in the brother, Father Xavier, to tear out the pages on purpose in order to sell. Yes, but... Oh, I had not grasped that at all, but I think you're right. In order That's to get... What I thought. To save the house. Get her money, yeah. Because she'd run out of money as an actress. That had clearly dried up. So she'd gotten... I don't know how her and Bertie met in the first place but she was obviously using him as a way of how can I scam people in order to get yeah. money, you know, um, and, th- and this is how they've got this manuscript and the torn out pages, which uh, I think his father Xavier said he had sleepless nights over, et cetera. Um, so that, that's how, that's what I read into it. But, but he thought she, he did think <clears throat> that she was really ill and she's not. Yeah. She's just a so conniving spoiled he was taking, I got it. So he thought he was taking the pages to pay for her treatment and to make sure that she was looked after properly. But actually, she's not ill in the first place. No, so absolutely. she was just she was just using the money for I don't know. I don't know. What, knickers. Well, not, knickers. Not new shoes, because her shoes were filthy. No, her so shoes. not her shoes. <laughs> tennis very expensive t- designer tennis gear, I don't know. So there's so, that. So Father Xavier realises, you know, I He'd, he'd gone against his own kind of guiding principles and morals, really, because he thought he was helping his sister. Now he realises she's not actually ill. And so what he'd done, didn't, you know, was moot. It kind of didn't even make sense. But they've got the page back anyway, so they can restore it to the holy book in the first place, which but will the, make... The, and the, the question remains, where the hell is the holy book? But then they seem to... They have it, don't they? Yeah, then they have it. And he's like, well... Well, you've, you've then got this bizarre scene, I think, where, where they go back to the the, the tomb and yeah. the Indiana Jones And thing. there it is. Exactly the same thing. And there's the book, which... Yeah, I was a bit confused at this point. Yeah, what I thought had happened was <clears throat> Father Xavier originally took the book from Driscoll Park to the Abbey because it kind of belongs there because it's a holy book and it should live with holy people. But then he'd started ripping pages out because he was worried about his sister. And now he's realised that actually the book should be at Driscoll Park, which doesn't make any sense at all. And he's put it back and then they put the page back in it. It didn't, It this bit just didn't hang together at all, no, did it? it didn't really. And then it, it, I just didn't, I also wondered that, okay, he's put the page back, but if he's taken it out, hasn't he damaged the book or was it not bound? Was it just a, I mean, there were just so many questions about what they'd done. It didn't really make sense. I guess, once again, it's that whole everything is back in its rightful place kind of malarkey and it's a beautiful yeah. thing. It's been restored. But it was all just, it It was just a bit clunky for me. Yeah, the page did seem to slide in very easily, I did think, when they were doing that bit. Yeah, um, it was bizarre. I didn't really understand the logic. And then yeah, you get the great scene. She got free, didn't she? Yeah. free, didn't she? She didn't... Nothing happened for her. Like she didn't lose anything. He doesn't though. He's told to go packing, isn't he? Uh, your man, Montserrat. Montague Montserrat. You've got this scene outside where where Lovejoy goes and approaches him, and um, you then get this dialogue as to why he was scammed many years ago. Uh, and again, Bertie Montserrat has got no idea who this person is or what he's doing, other than the fact that you know you you scam me, and. Um, and then you've got Lovejoy saying to Eric, well, now you know why, what happened. And, and Eric says, know what? Yeah, but he d- because Monster, I do know this bit because I've written it down. Um, 
uh, where is it? Lovejoy was done by a candlelit Sheraton by Bertie. So exactly the same way that Eric got done. So exactly. Bertie showed Lovejoy Ooh. a Sheraton lit by candlelight and said, oh, it's blah, blah, blah. And so Lovejoy bought it and then actually yeah. he, it wasn't lit properly and he bought something crap. But the other bit that I didn't get in this thing is when Lovejoy says to, to Montserrat, oh, I think you should get a second opinion on those watercolours. Because oh, all the way back when he gave, when he met him and was authenticating the watercolours, to do one over on him, he he kind of misrepresented what they were or he misauthenticated them or whatever. Yes. So why at the end did he say, oh, I'd get a second opinion if I was you? Because if he gets a second opinion, he'll get the correct answer on how much the watercolours are worth rather than... I think it was just to put doubt. I was so just to put doubt in his mind, maybe, and to yeah. let him, and probably just to let him know that he'd been scammed. I guess Lovejoy wanted the last word. Yeah, and and actually, um, he's already been diddled out of the money for the book, so everything's been put back in its rightful place already because he's been found out. So maybe Lovejoy's like, well, everything's even now. Yeah, and and, and again, even- it's Lovejoy saying, "You believed me, and but I know better than you do." You know, because yeah. it's not about money for Lovejoy; it's about somebody. Getting their comeuppance. It's about greed, you know, somebody not being. So if he says, oh, yeah. by the way, fucked you over. And talking about everything back in its rightful place, Hennessy gets his job back at the university. I know, was... that was amazing. <laughs> oh, okay. to be the professor you would it... love to have, though. Oh, it was so heartwarming. It was I absolutely loved it. I was so yeah. pleased. Was and Dr. Good. Tuttle, the librarian, he was, he was really chuffed about everything as well. I was like, Oh, academics, you've got to love them, haven't you? Bonkers. So, that's, so um, that's it for the episode, isn't it? Apart from the fact that they, they ended up that last scene of them, all four of them looking over this lock for oh, yeah. no reason whatsoever. Oh, but it was very pretty. In fact, the final beautiful. note I've written is, my final note says... That... My final note says, oh, did we mention that we were in Ireland? I thought that's the only reason they put it in, is because they paid for the film crew to go over there and they wanted to get their money's worth. So here's a lovely lot. Yeah, so I've said, um, Ireland is very pretty. <laughs> that's all i Is it the lock where she was having a frolic, though? Because I suppose it's the lock. No, that... she huh? was in like a boating lake or something. She uh, wasn't in a, a, a oh, big there you old... go. A big it's, old lock. It's just, look, we're in Ireland then, I guess. Okay, over so to I, you, first of all. Mark's out of ten. I was about to say over to you as our guest, Mark's out of ten. I'm <laughs> going to give it, I'm going to give it a seven because there were elements I liked and elements that just annoyed me. And I'm not sure how many of them are down to UK TV play and how many mm-hmm. are the a bit of a hackneyed plot in places. A bit of both, yeah. I think. So I'll give it a seven. I... I mean, I really, really liked it, but there were there were big holes in it, and there were things that I found incredibly problematic. So I'm going to give it a seven point five. I think so. I did. I would watch it again happily. So it wasn't the worst I've seen. Well, I'm going to give it six and a half, and the reason for the six and a half, which is probably so far the lowest score I would give um, the episodes, is that. Looking at the, the, the past episodes where um, Lovejoy has been away from East Anglia, so they've gone down to Devon and to Prague and up to Scotland. And, and, and dare I say, South Carolina at some point, I'm sure. Um, there didn't seem to be any logical reason as to why they'd gone to Ireland. Um, no. I, there was no, it was a tenuous connection at the beginning as to looking for a painting. Um, I get the impression maybe some 
So I don't know if it was the director or the writer or the production crew decided, right, let, let's go to Ireland to, to do this. Um, and as beautiful as Ireland was, you know, I, I, yeah, for me, the, the location uh, a lot of the time is key to, to these episodes. And yeah. so as beautiful as it was, I didn't get it why they were there in the first place. What Actually, about your antiques of the week? Well, I was going to say um, initially the, the the painting that they first purchased, but uh, I might actually keep with that because I know you two didn't like it, but it should obviously be, I think, the manuscript because that yeah. was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, uh, I'm going for the manuscript. I love, I was at Winchester Cathedral a few weeks ago in those days gone by when we could still go out and they've got a load of old manuscripts there and they are just so beautiful. So I'm, yeah, and the, and the whole thing, not just the page that they ripped out yeah i'm gonna have to say the same thing i loved it it was beautiful yeah. but I, I do i i like an i like a nice illuminated manuscript I like a nice holy book it was it was lovely oh there's a little bit of me that wants to have like pubs because they're starting to feel like an antique oh. we will eventually we will eventually go back to pub it will be fine but i do, i just do really miss pubs quite a lot at the moment i bloody love a pub <laughs> where's the first it's place you're hard. gonna when you when we're allowed out again where's the first place you're both gonna go I honestly, oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, um, ooh, my youngster's really into basketball at the moment, and there's a big basketball um, family scene that we get together, uh, and we've kept that on WhatsApp on, on, on FaceTime, but you miss so much actually being with people. It's just, it is heartbreaking at the moment. But Well, I'm definitely going to get to a pub, but I don't know which one. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I totally derailed us by That's saying right. the of the week was um, 2019, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> any, anything prior to this. What have we learned? What have we learned? Well, Kevin's taught me all about the Merry Ploughboys, and that was exciting. <laughs> We've learned Lovejoy's um, got in love interests in Ireland. But he is probably a, could have guessed. Yeah, he, is, he is a bit of a kind of girl in every port kind of guy, though, isn't he? Oh, he is. He is. So I've got three things, but they're super quick. So oh. all of my things were that I didn't realise I was as um, woke, in inverted commas, as I am. Because <laughs> I got really cross about things in this that maybe aren't that important. So I got really cross about the idea of um, genius being something that you can conflate with madness. And if people are very, very clever, then obviously they're completely mad and they have black wiggies in their head. And <laughs> if they're super intelligent then there's no way that they can actually function in society and they have to drop out and 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 go and live in a ruined castle and that made me really kind of cross because that is a trope and 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 in a way it kind of there is obviously at some point there was a truth to that but I I didn't like seeing it reflected I suppose in entertainment that's a bit serious isn't well, it? I always do uh, quite like that because it, it sort of reassures me because I can convince myself at my lowest points that I'm actually just a, a troubled genius and not an idiot but you are a troubled genius Polly but you're also a productive person and <laughs> you're not this kind of mystical other being who's so no. mysterious that you will shoot at people with a crossbow do you see no, what I'm it's true and I, I, I couldn't live in a couldn't live in a ruined castle it looked really uncomfortable i mean i could live in a ruined castle and i would be perfectly happy to live with brother hedgehog like and, i'd be i need access i need access to a nice booze cupboard and a proper bath <laughs> and i suppose the other thing i learned is that which we kind of did in that episode where they had the spooky pigsty and the adopted daughter oh, yeah. oh, there's that me. othering of 
the othering of the Celts or the othering of different countries that kind of happens in um, English national television. Like, aren't they mysterious? Aren't they spooky and romantic? Ooh, it's all exciting. And you're like, no, they're they're literally just human beings who have to have a job and and, and do normal things like normal people do. Um, And I kind of don't like that. I don't know that I particularly learned from that, though, anything apart from that I'm a bit of a... I read too much into things that are just meant to be light entertainment. So... Kevin, I will. What have you learned? I, I was going to say, I've certainly learned that, um, uh, albeit an honour and our pleasure being on this podcast, I would much prefer to actually have seen you guys in person. So, uh, oh, we'll do it in five. It's been so it? lovely having you, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm sorry we didn't pick one of your favourite episodes either. It just sort <laughs> yeah, of. Well, hopefully, asked ask me back. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Um, Kevin, where can we find you online if anyone wants to tweet you and well, say well done? I was thinking about that. I'm more of a Twitter um, uh, voyeur than anything, so I would much, I would much rather you just uh, <laughs> obviously voiced out the um, the Lovejoy podcast and to become a patron, just like me. You know, join <laughs> up now, support, um, <laughs> buy us booze, uh, microphones, etc. And we do Thank give you, a, Kevin. And we've we've been giving. It's probably worth doing a little appeal for the Royal Trinity Hospice while we're here because Absolutely. we have been giving some of our Patreon money to Royal Trinity Hospice because particularly at the moment we'd made this decision before the lockdown, but particularly at the moment they're really struggling because of the lockdown. Their shops are closed and they do such important things. And um, so, if we could get more patrons, some of your money will go there. And uh, even if you don't want to kind of support us if you look up Royal Trinity Hospice and are able to make a contribution depending on your own circumstance at the moment because I know a lot of jobs are are up in the air but it it just made us really sad that they were struggling at the moment yeah so you can um check the link in our bio because we link through to their fundraising page and you can find us online at Lovejoy Apod and the patron is just patreon.com forward slash Lovejoy actually and um, there's also coffee where you can buy the coffee, which is not really a coffee. It's always um, some gin or pizza. Um, that's <laughs> at ko-fi.com forward slash Lovejoy. Actually, thank you so much, Kevin, for stepping in and being my Thursday cover for Helen. <laughs> so thank you, Kevin. Really, really appreciate it. And yeah, like we say, we will do one. We will do it. I believe in, I believe the Queen when she says we will all meet again. As long as we don't all anyway. come together. um, But until then, I I think that's that's it from us. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye, bye. Bye.